Welcome to the Inquisitive BC. Today I'm speaking to Regan Bosman. Regan is a general partner at Lattice Capital, an early stage crypto fund that helps founders build defensible moats. He previously led growth initiatives at a number of crypto projects including Cream, Index Co-op and Maple. Prior to that, he was the first employee at CoinList and managed over $100 million of token launches. We talk about his journey from angel investing to starting a fund, state of the crypto VC market, valuations, and more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I'd love to start with your journey to crypto um, and, and how that looked like and when you decided to go full time into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my journey starts about, well, I, I guess a little over six years ago, um, I moved out to San Francisco to work uh, on the deal team at AngelList. And so was kind of doing traditional venture. Crypto was sort of ancillary to what we did, but saw like a few crypto deals come through. And then about a year and a half later, we uh, AngelList spun out this company called CoinList. To kind of build a similar business in uh, in in crypto, and you know, I I knew nothing about it at all. Like I, I'm pretty sure I didn't know what an ERC twenty token was when I started. But my boss at AngelList, Graham Jenkins, who was the COO there, was kind of like leaving to run CoinList, and he was awesome. And some of the smartest engineers I knew from AngelList were leaving to go. And um, you know, it, it just felt like there was a lot more sort of blue ocean space to build uh, innovative products like on the capital formation side in crypto than in venture. Venture had been kind of run the same way for a long time and AngelList has certainly done like a lot to improve it and, and built some really cool stuff. But like generally, I think it's kind of like just making the existing system better versus something like totally radically new. So um, yeah, I, I ended up kind of like running over to join them. I was the first employee and this is like, October, November, 2017. And then, uh, yeah, the market crashed a few months later and CoinList was like a pretty terrible business for uh, at least a year and a half there. But uh, yeah, that was sort of like my my dive into it. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I, I reckon it was quite a hard time, right? Starting off a, a business like CoinList through a bear market. But the fact that you kept going was, I think, pretty, pretty great in terms of getting it established. Um, and then how how did you start uh, angel investing while while working at Coinless. What was the the thinking around starting to invest? Yeah, so I like I, I when when I started at Angelist, it was kind of this exposure to venture, and I didn't really know anything before about what it was, and it seemed really cool, right? You saw people investing in these cool companies, and you know there was kind of like a obviously a financial element as well, and I, I didn't really have any money, so that seemed kind of um, like it wasn't really clear to me, you know, what the path was to get there. I also didn't like know, I didn't really know anything about anything, which uh, kind of seemed like the table stakes for a company to to want to take your money. So when I started working in crypto, you know, I maybe like six months in, a few people started to ping me, and I still like didn't really have much money, but you know, I was kind of able to just like spin this story of, you know, hey, I'm in an external facing role at this kind of company. It's sort of like in the middle of everything. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of like able to give you a market perspective. And obviously at that point, like token launches were really hot. And I was kind of able to, you know, spin a story there about like, you know, just kind of ha- having seen a lot of data points about what companies have done. And, um, 
I also like I tended to find it a, a bit a bit more interesting company wise than like our customers. Like generally, by the time teams got to CoinList, you know they had been working on what they were doing for like one, two, three years. And, and, and they were just like a lot more established. And so some of the teams I met really early on, you know, the Instadap co-founders, um, the OpenSea co-founders, they were just like a lot, it was a lot easier to relate to. Like they were very, very early. They had kind of like these big grandiose visions. In many cases, especially in the Instadap founders case, they're really young. And uh, I just like really enjoyed working with them and kind of like talking about you know crypto and, and what we were seeing. So I think like very very small checks um, in a few early companies, and I obviously I highlighted the ones that did well. Like <laughs> most of them, um, and most of my early checks definitely went to zero. Um, yeah, that, that was just kind of how I got started. Yeah, no, super cool. Um, and then what was the thinking and journey to scaling up that angel investing and leaving Coinless and starting Lattice? Yeah, so it was definitely a long and winding path. Um, I, the, the angel investing was like not very high volume or high, high dollar amount for a long time. And then in like summer 2020, maybe a little bit earlier than that, like early 2020, you know, just talking to a few other people who were sort of like just working in the space. Um, my buddy Clay Robbins, who was then at Zero X, he now is, is a VC at Slow, um, and a few other people. You know, it, it seemed like there was there were a number of kind of people who who had experience that I think were relevant to early stage companies, but you know, didn't necessarily like have a ton of capital, and you know, couldn't really compete with um, with VCs from a capital perspective. And so we kind of talked about just like forming this syndicate where, you know, we could uh, invest together, we could like write larger checks because we could, um, you know, combine money, which would maybe kind of let us like spread our bets out a bit. And, um, you know, just kind of like the, the, the idea was really that the sum would be greater than the parts and like working with this kind of, you know, syndicate of about half a dozen seasoned like crypto operators would be really like interesting to, to founders. Um, and that worked really well for a while. Um, you know, all, all the people we, I worked with there, I think still invest and are, are all awesome investors. And, and we did some really, like there were some really cool companies that came out of that, that, you know, we were fortunate to back like Audius, Student Analytics. Um, but kind of once like the bull market really started and these rounds started getting much more competitive, the model just kind of broke, to be honest. And it was like a pretty sudden change. Like I remember you know, early on, like everyone could kind of get all the allocation they wanted. And, you know, it wasn't even that much. Like people were definitely writing smaller than $10,000 checks each. Generally, we could even like take a few days to kind of set up a call with uh, with the company, right? Because like you were juggling the calendars for, you know, let's say half a dozen people on our end. And then at some point, everything just started getting much more competitive. And um, it became pretty clear that like, if you brought an allocation to the group, you were going to get cut back and everyone was going to get cut back that became harder. And um, even like, you know, taking the two or three days to, to schedule a call with a portfolio founder, like that, like that, that timing didn't even work, right? The, the market just like flipped a switch and everything got so much more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of like just slowed down. And then I ended up deciding to leave CoinList in early 2020, you know, the had had, I'd, I'd been there for about three and a half years, really an exceptional team. And 
they, they honestly, the, the business started doing much better, uh, basically right after I left and is on a great trajectory, but I just wanted to like work with early stage teams. And I, I just kind of wanted to like try my own thing and, and explore a bit more. You know, I think if you're really just like heads down at a scaling company like Coinlist or Coinbase or kind of any large company, like a lot of the business side problems are really just like scaling ones. They're not really crypto native ones. And so um, I was working all the time on that and it made it really hard even to just like spend time, um, you know, in a discord hanging out. So I, I left, I started working uh, in the index co-op, like leading growth initiatives. And that was awesome. Like it was my first time ever working in a DAO and, you know, was just really like early and there were smart people and it was very free form. And, and that was really cool. Um, I did some consulting work for some other companies, including Maple, Cream, Aztec. And then, um, you know, for, for Lattice, like, um, I, the consulting work was, was really interesting. And I, I was sort of doing this growth consulting for about six months. Um, I learned a few things during that time. One of them is like scaling a consulting business is, is really hard. And uh, this seems, uh, seems obvious in retrospect, but I definitely learned it the hard way where, you know, that business just scales very linearly. Um, I think the other one was just, I felt like I was doing a lot more work with these teams than a lot of their investors. And uh, it felt like, especially on the growth and go-to-market side, and that could be everything from like token launch and distribution to community building to kind of like driving integrations. It just like didn't generally feel like investors had a lot of experience doing that, right? Like very few investors really had come from kind of like deep operating backgrounds in the space. And so it kind of just like, you know, looked at it and it's like, all right, well, investing is a much better business model than like I have on the consulting side. And it, it does feel kind of like what I was selling on the consulting side, you know, you could kind of like sell a fund doing that. Um, and, and that probably just seems like a much better model to, to do it. And so um, my partner, like my, my co-founder, Mike, he ran sales and BD at Coinlist. We'd worked together there for three years and, you know, we'd, we'd gotten close and, um, you know, he had, also kind of been working on this growth side of, of Web3, but just from like a different angle, right? Really kind of doing sales and, and BD. And so we just felt like there was kind of a wedge in the market for, you know, a, a firm that really just helped companies kind of build moats and, and grow in the space. And so that was really the, the ideation for Lattice. And so we, you know, probably spent like two months talking about it and then kind of like set out to raise the fund in May or June. And then kind of closed it out and started deploying capital over the summer, more or less. And uh, yeah, here here we are. Wow! Yeah, that definitely sounds like an amazing journey. I could see the um, the thinking around how the fund probably makes more sense over the consulting because you could probably offer similar services as an investor um, and not worry about getting paid as a consultant. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's funny. Like I, I was essentially an uh, you know an ICO consultant, which was such like a buzzword uh, during the last <laughs> the last uh, bull run. But yeah, I mean, I, I think there actually still is a really good opportunity for people to just consult and like help projects in a space because I, I think a lot of teams are much more open to just kind of flexible arrangements, you know, than like relative to a traditional software company. And still, a lot of companies need help on the growth, go to market, community side. But I think it's just really, you know, there's not many people who've been doing this stuff for a while. And so it's just hard for these teams to find experienced people.
Yeah, no doubt. Um, and do you want to give a quick, I guess, overview of of lettuce and and what kind of things you like to invest in and then the general structure of the fund? Yeah, sure. So um, we're an early stage venture fund. You know, we are 100% focused on crypto. Um, our first fund is, is $20 million. And we've been uh, investing out of that for about seven or eight months. And we've backed about 30 companies. You know, our thesis is really around investing in products that we think could expand the market. And so that is admittedly a very vague thesis. Um, I'd say we tend to kind of look at four categories we like, and, and they admittedly also kind of encompass a lot in, in crypto. Um, and that's really like DeFi, NFTs, and gaming, Web3 broadly, uh, which I would include like DAOs, I would include kind of token-powered networks like Helium and that, and, and then the fourth category is infrastructure. And so, you know, some examples in that, um, I think on the DeFi side, we really like things we view as um, I call it like patient DeFi, you know, kind of like the, the opposite spectrum from DGen plays, things that, are, you know, attract a more professional mm-hmm. risk averse audience. And as that's really where I think the market's going. So examples of that include Maple, which is kind of building, you know, um, under collateralized credit on chain, uh, Sherlock, which is like underwriting protocol insurance on the NFTs and infrastructure, uh, sorry, NFTs and gaming side. We've tended to invest more in like infrastructure around that. Um, so Stardust, which is a portfolio company, is doing really well, like helping indie game developers deploy in-game assets. Um, we invested in Gallery, which is like an application for people to curate and kind of show off their NFT collections. And to us, was just a very natural outcome of sort of what happened like after this NFT bubble. Um, on the Web3 side, you know, we've made a few plays and kind of like DAO infrastructure tooling, layer three is an example, which has sort of built this like decentralized bounties network, basically just like building a clearinghouse for projects, communities that need uh, to get work done and kind of like allowing them to very easily activate their communities to help out with that work. They're doing really well and, and we're excited about them. And then on the infrastructure side, you know, everything from Violet, which is kind of making it very easy to bring um, real world identity on chain to P-Stake, which is building like liquid staking derivatives for um, Cosmos-based chains. So it, it kind of really is like across the, the gamut. I think where we are constrained more than any specific category is really like stage and timeline. You know, we are 100% focused on the earliest stages. We, every crypto fund has gotten really big. And I think that that, um, can make it hard for them to play at the earliest stages, right? If you have a $400 million fund, like you probably shouldn't be writing half a million dollar checks. It's probably not a good use of your time. But we think for like a lot of really early teams, actually they probably should just raise half a million, a million dollars, right? They, these tend to be pretty capital efficient businesses. And so we're 100% focused working with teams at, at the early stage. And then, um, you know, on terms of timeline, we're a venture fund, we don't trade tokens. We've never sold a single position. Um, and so I think like any, you know, investment that would require a timeline, like a clear timeline for us to exit, right. For example, all right, we think Polkadot's going to be hot in the next year. So this is going to pump when it goes liquid and we're going to sell. That's just like outside of our, our purview. And then, um, I think they're also, you know, we really want to back founders that we think are going to be doing this through multiple cycles. I think some of the successes we've had personally. OpenSea, Dune Analytics are a good example. Like really no one cared about those businesses for a long time. 
And, and when I say no one, I mean, you know, they had a really core engaged community that loved the products, but mm. they could probably both me- measure their user numbers in hundreds for like at least a 12 month period. Um, and generally like investors wrote them off um, for at, at various points in their lives. And so I definitely don't think the market just keeps going up, right? I, I think that generally anything, you know, worth building is going to be really hard for a long stretch of time. And so for us, I think probably the, the thing above anything else when we look at investment is, you know, are is this team incredibly motivated? Do they have the resilience to build this? You know, are they not purely mercenary? And um, yeah, that, that's kind of tends to be how we think about things. No, super interesting. Um, you recently tweeted that crypto VC LPs are in for a rude awakening um, around the funds. Could you expand on your thoughts around that tweet? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think maybe like a good place to start is just like how people sort of see the manifestation of this problem. And then we can kind of go back to um, like what the actual root, root cause is and, and what, what's most relevant to that tweet. You know, I, I don't, I think you see um, people talk on, on Twitter and, and you see a lot of these fund announcements, you know, teams are raising seed rounds at really high valuations, right? Probably the... Uh, the best example is, I think it's called SuperDAO that raised, you know, a $10 million seed round at something like $150, $150 million valuation a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. And, um, you know, in general, there's a lot of money sloshing around, right? And there's a lot of money chasing deals. And so the rounds get bigger, the valuations get bid up. And, and you know, I think a natural question is like, why is that? And the answer is, you know, crypto funds are getting bigger, Um people are deploying more money faster. And so there's just kind of like a supply and demand imbalance, right? There are like more and more entrepreneurs entering the space. I don't know that it's increasing at the same rate at which money is sort of flowing into private deals. So then it's like, all right, well, why is that? And it's because there's a huge amount of LP interest in these funds. Um, I think, you know, there's a few things that that drive that. Why like institutional money, which which kind of tends to be the money behind, you know, venture funds, um, wants to enter the asset class. I, th- I think just from a kind of background macro perspective, you have a world of very low interest rates. People want, you know, risk assets because they there's not that many ways to, to generate yield. And, and so they really like need to go sort of further along the risk curve. Um, you also kind of have, you know, this narrative around inflation that drives interest in Bitcoin. You have this NFT boom that sort of captured a lot of mainstream interest. Just broadly, there was a lot of interest in crypto. Specifically, I think you you look and certain, I, I think it's just become a lot more apparent over the last year how well crypto funds from the last cycle did. Um, I think there's like a few things there. I mean, one is, you know, their return numbers probably didn't look that good in the bear market, right? These things were probably not marked up by the market at a very high rate. But I think specifically, like this bet on Solana, which is kind of, I don't actually know whether or not this is true, but has sort of entered war as like the best venture bet ever, um, which Multicoin is kind of the most like public face of that. That's captured a lot of attention. And I don't know if this is true or not, but like you hear rumors that that multi-coin fund um, is is marked at fifty or hundred x, which you know from like a return perspective in a three or four year timeline is just like absolutely insane, right? So I think every LP you know sees that and it's like, well, even if I could get twenty percent of those returns, right, that's probably way better than I'm getting in, in most of my portfolio, and so um, you know that drives a huge amount of 
LP interest that just wants to go into these managers. Um, so anyway, you, you kind of have, you, I'm setting the stage here where there's a lot of money that wants to go into these funds and uh, naturally they, they get bigger, right? Um, so why do I think LPs are going to be disappointed? I think the first thing is it has never been harder to be a venture investor in crypto. Um, you know, I, I look at some of like the angel bets I, I, I've made or things I did personally, you know, before Lattice. So like a year and a half, a year ago, everything has been repriced probably five to 25 X up from 18 months ago. So, you know, every return you see today, right, would, would be cut pretty meaningfully because the entry prices are, are just going to be way higher. Um, the second is just like, it's never been more competitive. These deals get done faster. There's like more and more money chasing them. Investors are getting cut back. And so it's just like much harder from an access perspective. Um, you combine that with the fact that like funds are getting a lot bigger and it's just like statistically a lot harder to... Um, you know, really move the needle in, in a big fund and just statistically like the, the larger the capital base, right? Kind of the harder it is to, to multiply that to a large degree. You know, I, I was talking to someone who works at a, um, a $500 million venture fund and, you know, from his point of view, right? If they, um, he, that means like any investment he underwrites, right? They're, let's say they're investing like five to $10 million uh, to buy, you know, a certain percent of the company, in many cases, like they need to be able to underwrite that to like a five or $10 billion valuation outcome in order to move the needle in the fund. Yeah. And that's really hard, right? There's like not that many of those companies a year. Um, and it also just means, you know, generally any kind of outcome you have means less and less in the context of the fund if the overall fund size is getting bigger. So I think you just have this kind of combination of, it being ne it, it never being harder to do really well in venture and crypto and fund size is getting bigger. And I think just, you know, any LPs that are expecting, I think these kind of like multi-coin style returns are, are going to be disappointed. Um, that said, I, I could be totally wrong. And like the market just like grows a hundred X from here over the next three years and, and we're all really happy. And like, that would be, that would be really nice. Um, but, uh, I, I definitely am not like planning around uh, a world like that occurring. Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. So how, how do you feel about the valuations then? So as, as an early stage investor, how comfortable are you with, with the current range of valuations that you're seeing? Um, yeah, I, I guess, um, like, I, I think it really depends. So, um, I think kind of like crypto has matured a lot in the last year and a half, where I think now you actually kind of see like sectors starting to get divorced from each other. So a good example of that, right, is like, I mean, the whole markets have slowed the last few weeks, but in general, right, there's kind of been this like game five boom, like I led by Axie Infinity, where, mm -hmm. you know, you have pre-launch games like Alluvium trading at 3 billion fully diluted. At the same time, like Compound, Aave, synthetics, all of these DeFi blue chips, which in general, like usage is actually going up, are trading at like 80 to 90% off of their all-time highs. So yeah. I think valuations on the whole, on the private side, continue to go up. But um, it's hard to look at the market and kind of just say like, all right, we're in a bear market, we're in a bull market, when I, I think kind of like a lot of these sectors are, 
a little bit um, less correlated than they used to be. Uh, we've slowed down a lot, to be honest, this year. We've probably, like, I think we made 20 investments in Q4 of last year. Like, we were really busy and we've made maybe three or four this entire quarter. Um, I think, like, we've seen valuations continue to go up on the private side and continue to, like, go down on the public side. And, you know, it's to the point where you look at some, like, DeFi seed rounds and they're getting done at, say, 50, $70 million fully diluted. Well, if Ave or Compound trade at say a billion and a billion and a half, right? Like the, the jump up from a seed around to the market leader should probably be way more than 20X, right? Like, I don't think there's a 5% chance in any given seed round that, you know, this is going to become like one of like the four most consequential DeFi apps. So I think they're just like, there, there is this dislocation in the market where there's still a lot of money chasing these private deals. And, you know, it's kind of just like disjointed from what's happening in public markets. So to answer your, your question, like we've gotten um, a little bit less comfortable with them and we've slowed down a lot. Got it. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, g- getting into our final questions. Uh, what's a secret obsession of yours that not many people know about? A secret obsession? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is... I, I, an obsession would be a strong word, but I'm like nerdily into venture history. And, um, you know, I studied history in college. I tend to think there's like a lot of lessons we can learn from the past. And so... Um, especially as we've gotten Lattice off the ground, like I've spent a lot of time reading, um, just books on the history of venture. So like started with this one called eBoys, which is this like very in-depth account of, uh, the eBay IPO and specifically like benchmark, which is one of its biggest backers, um, in the early two thousands right now, I'm reading this book called the power law. That's about, um, kind of the history of venture and, you know, have tried to like make everyone on our team read these books and hopefully we learn from their mistakes. That's quite interesting. What would you say is the most interesting, I guess, historic fact you've learned? Um, the most interesting historic fact. So I, I think like, I mean, there, in general, it, it's kind of wild how you know, much venture has changed. We're like in the 70s and 80s. In even 90s, like funds would just like always replace the founders, the professional CEO. And, and that's obviously like very much changed in the last 20, 30 years. Mm. Um, I think for, for me, the biggest lesson I've learned, which is probably the, the one I'm going to remember best, is you know, this book, eBoys, like Benchmark was kind of the lead investor in eBay um, in, in the early 2000s. And I think it was like a two or 3,000x return. It was like by far the best venture bet in history. Um, and after that, you know, they raised much bigger funds. I think they went from like 150 million to a billion. Um, and those funds actually did pretty poorly, right? And, uh, you know, it's, uh, what, what's that like standard kind of like disclaimer you see on every financial product, like past, you know, past performance is, yeah. is not uh, indicative of future returns. But, um, you know, clearly like these were like pretty incredible investors and they, this was like as the dot-com bubble uh, was, was heating up and they raised this massive fund. and then you know, despite literally being like the best in the business, their next two funds kind of sucked. And so um, I think we, I, I try to distill that internally that, you know, 
we can like never rest on our laurels. We should like, we need to play this pretty conservative on, on the fund structure side. And, you know, the market can change really quickly, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that definitely is a interesting point. Um, and so you mentioned a couple of your investments earlier. Um, but the final question is essentially, what is the latest publicly announced investment you've made and, and why did you make it? Um, yeah, I think the latest one that was announced was a company called Dowfront. Um, really young, compelling founder uh, based here in San Francisco who's building sort of like QuickBooks for DAOs. Um, it's like a very boring problem, I think, to many people. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, for example, we run a conference and we sell tickets in USDC and, you know, we literally like try to like manually tie transactions to a given like purchase, like in a Google sheet, right? The, the state of accounting software is really, really bad. And, uh, you know, I, I think the market for crypto native companies, whether that's DAOs, whether that's like just, you know, web three companies that kind of run their business on chain is growing really quickly. And uh, a lot of these companies, you know, they have, they need to pay employees, they need to like pay taxes, right? There, there's just a lot of overhead that comes from running them. And so this was kind of the first company we'd seen and really just like an incredibly passionate founder about solving this very specific pain point of just making it very easy to build an accounting system and understand like where your money is going, what your PL is and all of this, if it's on chain. Um, so we've been really, really excited about that. Oh, super cool. No, it definitely sounds interesting. Um, but that's all the questions I had, Regan. Um, I really appreciate your time and I'm looking forward to, to seeing what else Lattice does next. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, hopefully it's, uh, yeah, hopefully we have some good stuff in the pipeline.